0: Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. I love strong nights where we had married couples that were here. uh, And I think this room was just full of people uh, hungry to take their marriage to the next level. We got to pour into them. I wanted these guys to do that skit. Uh, again today that we did on Friday night because I felt like it was so impactful. Could we have one more hand for Pastor Franco and Amy? He wrote that skit specifically for the weekend. And I love that skit as a setup for what I'm gonna talk about today because I think in that skit, you see how difficult it is to cultivate meaningful relationships, to cultivate important relationships in your life. And in that skit, you happen to see someone that's in the state of courtship, that's sort of that euphoric place in life. Then you move to act two where you're dealing with conflict, where people are starting the things that you liked about someone becomes the things that you actually dislike about someone. And then I think that final stage of uh, either commitment or consecration, whichever you would like to call that, which is like a beautiful place where you've learned how to appreciate each other and value each other for who you actually are. That's the ultimate goal of most meaningful relationships so I wanted to use that as a jumping off point today uh, Friday was so good guys it was just uh, fantastic uh, pastors Justin Amanda joined myself and my wife up here for a panel where we did a Q&A for about 20 minutes pastor Amy taught an f- incredible message on forgiveness uh, we played some games took a quick break I came back and taught for just a few minutes on an idea called villains Uh, Where sometimes the people that we love the most, we vilify them and turn into the biggest villains in our life. And how do you turn your villain back into a lover again? It was just a great night. And I think that what was really cool is that we decided rather than wait one more year, uh, we're going to do another Love Strong nights for married couples in about six months. So how many married couples will be interested in coming back to that Love Strong? That's going to be really, really fun. So we invite you, if you missed it for whatever reason, cancel whatever's on your plans. You missed out on something really special. If you weren't here, it's going to be... Fantastic. I'm going to read from Proverbs uh, chapter 27, verse 19, and Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, verse 9 as the text, and I'm going to pray, and we'll get right into this message. It says, A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. Then Ecclesiastes 4, 9. It's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Share the work. Share the wealth, and if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. It just says that right there, tough. That's the message version. (laughs) I'm going to talk to you today about crucial relationships. Father, thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness, your love, your mercy. I pray for everyone that's here today that your hope would just fill their hearts. Uh, I pray that we would have the ability to see relationships clearly. Uh, to know how to navigate through them. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that your voice would be so evident in our lives that we would know how to listen and follow after you. I pray for uh, encouragement uh, through this word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Today uh, on Relationship Sunday, I wanted to give you guys something that was practical enough that you could even remember the points. So I, I think that... Uh, I wanna inter- introduce the ideas that I'm going to talk about today at the beginning and then I'll come back and touch each one of them. I think that uh, today my primary goal would be to see to ask you a couple of questions about your relationships. We see from Proverbs 27, 19 that a mirror reflects a man's face, but if it's not your face or your image that shows what you're really like. That scripture tells us if you wanna know what someone is like, and I just wanna read it one more time. If you wanna know what they're like, It's shown by the kind of friends he chooses. That's hard to deal with for some of us. Because we're not so proud of some of our friends sometimes. If we don't choose them deliberately. If we don't develop those relationships intentionally. So the Bible is telling you if you want to know what you look like. Look at your friends. The people that are around you and they're the closest to you are the greatest reflection of who you really are. And I think that's uh, pretty challenging. So knowing that friendships are that important. Here's the three questions I want to ask you that I'll dive into. Uh, Question number one, am I nurturing important relationships in my life? That's a really great question for us to dig into. Am I nurturing important? We all have important relationships, and I'm going to talk about in just a second different levels. You say, well, all my relationships are the same. Well, they actually shouldn't be. Not even Jesus had the same relationships. He had different levels of relationships. So should you. So should I. So that's question number one is, am I nurturing important relationships? Number two, this is is very uh, key as well. Am I severing hurtful relationships? Am I cutting off or severing hurtful or negative or toxic relationships? So question number one, am I nurturing important ones? Number two, am I severing uh, or cutting off harmful relationships? And then finally, number three, am I initiating meaningful relationships. I hope those three questions are not just these things that you go, oh, he's talking about these ideas, I don't understand. I hope you're thinking about yourself, your life, your friends, your family, people that you're closest to. You're putting faces and names in there and and saying, okay, who should I be focusing on? Are there people that should be on their way out? I got news for you. Life moves at the speed of relationships. People are important. People matter to God. The thing that you are doing is never going to be more important than the people you're doing that with. Sometimes we elevate our purposes so high that we'll step on people to get to those purposes. But I got news for you. If you step on people along the way, whatever you're getting to doesn't matter. Because the thing that matters to, people, to God is people. So let's learn how to care about and to have true uh, appreciation and value for people that in our lives. Now, I talked about Jesus having different levels. I just want to touch on that really quickly to show you that important relationships are a real thing. All relationships are important, but some of them require more care and, and more sharing to get to that intimate level uh, that we want to get to with them. And I'm talking to all people here, not just married people. So this is friendships. If you're here today and you're single and uh, you're you know thinking about dating, that's important. But not every single person should date or needs to date. There are some people, like the Bible, when Paul's talking about marriage, he says, I wish everyone was like me. I'm not married. And I think I can do way more than married people. But if you have to get married, go ahead if you're weak. He's basically, he's, he's sort of like, almost talks down... <laughs> He almost talks down to married people like, I have it figured out. But the point is, not everyone is going to get married or even should be married. That that doesn't mean you've reached some place in your life where you're this awesome person. Everyone is not. No, marriage is for some people. But some people, singleness is a a wonderful thing. It's it's important to learn how to be a healthy single person if you're ever considering being married someday. We have to be a whole person on our own. We're not half a person that gets completed by being with the right person. We have to be two whole people that come together. If we're ever going to have a godly marriage, if we're going to be married, and I even think the same thing happens in friendships. Sometimes people come into friendships. You ever met a really needy friend? You ever met someone that was, like, kind of cool at first? You know what I mean? Then they started, like, texting you past 11 p.m. You're like, what? Okay, I I don't... I didn't give permission for that. It's like, like stuff that's going on. You know, or, or they just text you like a question mark. Like if you haven't answered a, a answer to text or something. And they're like, you know, or, or say something kind of passive-aggressive. Like, man, you must be really busy. And I just text back, no, I'm not busy. I just don't want to answer this. Like, I just, I'm like, <laughs> it has nothing to do with my schedule at all. I don't want to talk to you right now. I will talk to you when I want to talk to you. It's just kind of funny. We have people that... Kind of come into relationships or, or friendships super needy, feeling like you're the missing piece. If Jesus is not the missing piece of their life, uh, you definitely can't be fill something that Jesus can't fill in someone else's life. So we have to make sure that in our lives we're building relationships from a healthy, whole kind of place. And we also know that Jesus had the crowd. Okay So not just the disciples, but there were hundreds of people that were considered disciples. ...that followed Jesus around and went from place to place with him. So he had a group of people, a huge group, like people in this room. I might get to know everyone's name in this room if we spend enough time together. They'll say, hey, hey, hey. And I could be kind of close and know something about each person's life. But this would sort of be the crowd of my life. But even Jesus went in beyond the crowd and had the committed. That was the 12 people, the 12 disciples that were the closest to him... That were committed to following him everywhere and 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 ended up being becoming the apostles and, and being martyred. And they were later called the men who turned the world upside down. So we know that's a that's a more committed group than the hundreds that followed him. But even beyond that, he had the core of people. They were his best friends. By the way, if you have committed people in your life and you're saying, Well, I've got friends that that don't treat me right. Well, you're in good company with Jesus because Judas sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. One of the people that was in his closest group, even when you have a committed group, you're not always gonna have perfect people in there either because Jesus didn't. One of them, you know, the Bible says that Satan entered Judas. So, you know, I know that I got some friends I feel like Satan entered them a few times too. So I, I don't know. It, 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 we, 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 we Everyone has to deal with the same kind of stuff, and and even beyond that, that committed, uh, you got the core. And what is that? Like I got two scriptures here that kind of show you, uh, Luke chapter eight, verse fifty one and fifty two. There was a girl who's dead, and uh, Jesus is there to basically just resurrect her. And and there's this crazy atmosphere that's outside, and he brings everybody with him. And it says, when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter. John and James. The all that everybody was there, he could have chosen anyone to come in with him, but what this is teaching us is that there's an inner core Even when you've got multiple people that are in your group, there are times in your life when you're going through something, you need faith people around. You don't need anybody around that would ever open up their mouth and say something against what you know God has spoken to you about your life. Those are people that you have worked through things with. They're people you've been transparent with. They're people that you have taken time to cultivate truth and honesty and honor. And I'm going to talk. By the way, I told you I'm going to tell you up front. I'm going to talk to you in a second about some really cool things. Truth honor, and love. Those are the three things at the end of this message I'm going to dig into that will help you learn how to birth and build and cultivate meaningful relationships. But those are the kinds of people in the core that you've spent time working with. So if you have people like that, now sometimes we only have one of those, or, or we've had very few of those, if one. Uh, I'm really grateful, and I don't know how often I talk about him, but uh, I grew up with my best friend. His name was Jason, His name's Jason Linkus. He is a pastor over in Titusville, and my, you know, his dad, my dad was named after his uncle, and our grandparents knew each other way back in the day in the Church of God of Prophecy, and, and I think they, didn't they speak in tongues? Like, like they spoke in tongues for the first time in in the. 1950s in the back of a car, uh, the, the all four of them after coming back from a church service started speaking into. So like they go way back. And I went to the first grade with Jason. We're the same age. Uh, he's pastoring now over there, and we've been friends forever. And he is truly one of the core people in my life that he knows my weaknesses. He knows the things that I'm not good at. I can talk to him about problems I have. I don't worry about being judged. Isn't it good to have a core person in your life that you know that's going to love you and appreciate you and see you for who you are? I'm grateful for those core. And that's a very small number. Uh, it, it can't be your goal. Everyone is my core. Really? You're better than Jesus. Interesting. How do you do that? Because I don't know. He only had three. He only had three people in his life. And it seems like there's some wisdom there. Uh, Mark 9 says that after six days, he took Peter, James, and John and led them to the high mountain. And it says he was transfigured in front of them. They literally got to see the glory of God physically on him, all over him. No one else got to see it but them, only them. And I think that's important. You know, you ever heard that saying, show me your friends and I'll show you your future? Powerful idea. So think about today, who are, who are your friends? Teenagers, if you're here, uh, young people, who, who are the people that you're hanging out with? Who are the people that you're allowing access to your life? You're letting these people share thoughts and ideas that are becoming a part of your thought process. Have you thought about that yet? Even, even uh, who, who are you allowing uh, to, to influence your spirit? I think spirits are transferable. I'm not talking about, like, Casper the Friendly Ghost possessing you. I'm talking about, like, spirits are mindsets. We share mindsets with people. Uh, I grew up in, you know, I grew up in Alabama. You guys know when I was a kid, uh, I was... You know biscuits and gravy and hanging out on on the weekends. You're going down to the lake and the river wearing cutoffs and like all that kind of stuff like that. But like, but when I go back to Alabama and I get around the people that I grew up, I find myself coming home saying, "Hey, y'all want to go down Cracker Barrel get some biscuit? Like, like, it, like, you ever noticed that your accent can come back if you hang out with the certain people? Like, it, it it comes back. Spirit are transferable. So you allow people access into your life. And that that stuff gets on you. So it's really important to ask yourself, who who has access to your life? I want to make sure the people that are in my crowd are the right people. The people that are my, my committed are the right people. And definitely the people that are in my core are the right people. So here's to those questions I started out with. Am I nurturing important relationships? Let's start with that core the people that are in your life that are in the important people that God has put closest to you. I will say this without a doubt. These people have to share your passion for Jesus. People that are in your core have to share your passion for Jesus. When the Bible says do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, it is it's not difficult to determine what that means. It simply means this. The people that are the closest to us have to share our passion for God. You say, well, my boyfriend's cute and he believes in God. I don't really care if he believes in God. I'm asking you, does he passionately worship Jesus Christ? Does he lift his hands and does he honor God with his uh, time, talent, and treasure? Is he committed to Jesus the same way you are? Because that's a conflict of interest with people that are in our core if they have an opposing worldview. Now, I'm going to get in a moment to am I nurturing, you know, meaningful relationships, important relationships. That's that's initiating with people that are sometimes of different faith. And that's okay. That's, that's two points down the road. But right now I'm talking about core people that are in your life. You have to make sure that you share the same faith. Unequally yoked. It's literally like, taking a couple of beasts of burden out in the field and a yoke. It yokes them together so they can use their energy together. You wouldn't put a tall one and a short one because the the, the tall one and the strong one would be pushing and dragging that short one. No, you want the two of them to be equally yoked so you can maximize both of their potential. And in the same way, with your relationships, maximize your potential by linking up with people that share your faith. When you're with someone that has a a, a lower passion for God than you do that's in your core, you come out and fire out with things that are faith-filled and destiny-filled and vision-filled, and you've got to get them even remembering that God exists. That's a problem. You want to already be right there. So make sure that the people you let on the inside of your life that are in those important relationships that you're supposed to nurture are the right people. And the Bible says, love from the center of who you are. Here's some ways you can nurture important relationship. Uh, Romans 12, 9. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Be real with those people. Make sure that it's, uh, I hope you won your game there. I hope you're number one. Because uh, I like to win my videos. Uh, be good. For, I mean, I think last, sur- last service, uh, last service I-, I did hear, and I didn't even say nothing about it, does anyone have the thing called ring, that thing called ring? I heard someone, their, their, their ring went off in the middle of the service. That's such a distinct tone. It's amazing. It's a, so it says, uh, be, good, be good friends who love deeply. Who, somebody say love deeply. It's a, I love that. Just be someone who loves deeply with, with the people that are in your inner core. Love someone deeply. Just, just express yourself. Don't hold back. We live in a world where everyone's trying to hold back the way they really feel. Love deeply with the people that are in your core. Also, here's another one. Practice playing second fiddle. Lord Jesus. Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers. Practice playing second fiddle. What I love about this is it's not talked about too often. Sometimes... The reason you can no longer progress in a particular relationship might be the fact that you're trying to take the driver's seat of a relationship with someone that won't take their hands off the wheel. There are some people that will drive whatever relationship they're in. And maybe the conflict is that you've been trying to say, no one will drive me. And they'll say, well, no one will drive me. And you say, well, I will drive. And you say, well, I will drive. And And then it's just this back and forth thing. You know what the Bible says here? Practice playing second fiddle. It means that sometimes the godly way to move forward in a relationship where you can't figure out another way to move forward is just to back off and go, you know what, that's fine. I'm, I am good sitting right here. Number one, you ain't driving me. It's the Lord that's driving me. So now you can think you're driving. I'll let you think you're driving but I'm just going to let the Lord be my God, but I care too much about you to abandon the relationship. I want to keep moving forward. And isn't it so interesting that sometimes when you say, no, I don't want to drive, they'll go, no, go ahead, drive. <laughs> the, the point wasn't even about it. It was more about the struggle back and forth. And so it's interesting. Sometimes we can overwhelm people with kindness and love and submission. The Bible says, submit to one another. And pray for one another. So, so that kind of idea of submitting sometimes, even when we don't have to. It's not because we have to. We do it because it's, it's a godly thing to do. So sometimes that's the way forward in how to nurture your relationships. In verse 15 of Romans 12, it says, Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Oh, man, I love that so much. Be someone with the people that are in your inner core that, that is just fun. That learns how to celebrate. Learn how to celebrate people when they go through wins. When somebody is wearing a new outfit, tell them they look good. Tell your tell your friends, that man, you look great today. I love that shirt, love that. Love that. Are those new shoes that you just got? Uh, I, just, just spend time noticing things about people. Happy birthday. I'm so happy for you. Let's go out and have a great time. Let's do something fun together. Uh, or, or conversely, when people are going through a difficult time, have empathy. Show care for people that are going through a hard time. In your circle, choose to be someone that celebrates. Uh, be a person that celebrates all the wins and all the accomplishments of the people that are in your world. And I, isn't there a lot of pressure these days to celebrate? There's a lot of pressure. I think social media makes it weird. You ever notice that? That, like, in, in our social media world, like, we, we're we afraid to, like, leave. Like, you know, someone if, if I have, like, 150 happy birthday comments on my page or something and, like, there's one person that I haven't seen in a long time that I haven't, and I just want to say, hey, thank you for saying happy birthday. Don't you kind of feel pressure that if I don't write something for all 150, everyone's gonna think I like this one person. So then you, then you end up writing all these half, I love you, love hey, you, love 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 you. And then you put love you on that one person, but you put an extra heart on there because you wanna kind of want to let them know. Isn't that a lot of pressure? in the social media world that we live in today, that to, to be a celebrator? Because we, why? Because we got 4,000 friends on Facebook. And we feel like that if we celebrate one person above everyone else, then, but, but you know, everyone is not the same. All the relationships are not the same. You say, well, yes, they are. I, what I mean is that even Jesus had relationships that were closer relationships. So make sure that you know who those people are that are in your core that you're developing them, Uh, and and don't worry about it. People are going to get offended at you no matter what. Uh, But make sure you know who's on your side and who's on your team and that you're pouring into those relationships that matter the most. Let's move on to question number two. One was, am I nurturing important relationships? Number two is, oh, this is big. Am I severing harmful relationships? I believe a lot of times when God wants to do something special in your life and take you to another place, he'll bring a person into your life. I've seen it happen to me multiple times. I was stuck in a place. God brought a person into my life, and that person helped me get from one place to another. I think sometimes in the opposite way, when the enemy wants to get you from going where God is trying to take you, he also sometimes will send a person. So I think it's important for us to live with discernment and recognize people in our life that have a toxic spirit. Uh, there are people that are that have a toxic spirit, and here is the weird thing about people that are toxic is people that are toxic are not always obviously toxic most of the time they're very fun to be around it's very sneaky i mean toxic people are not saying hey let's go cause havoc today <laughs> that's not the, that's not what they're doing that no one would hang out with someone that does that there are people that seem fun, but they're the kind of people that when you're together in a place, they'll go, man, look at it. Look at their hair. You know, or, or you know, look at the, Well, your hair probably looks bad, too. Be quiet. You're making fun of someone else. Like, like be, becoming like judgmental and constantly picking things apart. This is, to, this is toxicity at its worst. And you have to learn how to recognize people that are, because that's harming you. Creating a judgmental spirit in you that is constantly criticizing everything, everyone else and everything else, that's harming you. You don't realize it. We need to build each other up. We need to lift people up. We need to recognize the good in people and sometimes really ignore the bad or the insignificant. Somebody's hair is just really insignificant in the big scheme of what we're trying to do in life. People are trying to move forward and do great things and they're overcoming tragedy and hard things in life and that's the best that we can come up with. We gotta make sure that we're cutting off harmful relationships. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. It is just a fact. There are people that are here today, as tough as it sounds, who need to cut some people out of your life. There are times in your life where there are people that are not willing to pay the price to go where God wants to take you. And you've got to be willing to walk out of the situation and move forward. It's, I, I, I've talked about it a few times, but right when I graduated high school, a couple of people that I was really close with, unbelievably intelligent Uh, Guys, Some of the smartest guys I've ever met in my entire life, both went on to start multi-million dollar. One guy has like a $50 million organization. Uh, Another guy started a massive media organization. We're best friends. They believed in God. They were Christians and actually are Christians to this day. But the Lord spoke to me right when I was graduating. He said, you've got to get out of this relationship with these guys because where I'm trying to take you, they're not willing to go. Now, I, like a dummy at 18, went and told them that. Uh, explain. It's, it's literally, it's like the Joseph syndrome. It's like, guess what, guys? I had a dream, and you were all worshiping me in the dream. Uh, people kill you for that. That's not a good idea. Uh, so, yeah, they didn't really take too kindly to this uh, conversation and d- said some very hard things to me. But I, in, in looking back... It's really true what God was trying to do in my life. I could barely do uh, without the wrong influences. I could barely do it anyways. But if, if, if I would have had the wrong influences in my life, I never would have been able to do it. So it's really important. There are times in our lives we've got to make tough decisions. It doesn't mean we don't love people. It doesn't mean we don't appreciate them. We don't pray for them. It doesn't mean we don't ever talk to them. It just means there's a quality time that we cannot let these people be an influence on our life if they're a distraction to the purpose and the calling of God that's on our life. Uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty also says he who walks with the wise grows wise I want to live my life around the right people I don't want to spend my time getting negatively influenced by the wrong people I want to spend my time being positively influenced by the right people you hang around wise people you get more wise I think it's interesting that I'm I literally in August I turned 50 and I'll, I'll be 50 years old and at the age of 50 I still call my dad and tell him every major decision that i make every major, well, i mean i don't know if that's i don't know what that is i just know that when i'm talking to my dad i say hey i'm thinking about buying this car what do you think about this do you like this brand do you what's your experience with this and i throw everything even though i'm at the place in my life where i've got other people that are asking me for advice on decisions i'm still asking advice and i'm still always going to go up i want to make sure i'm around wise people that are positively influencing me in a godly way not wasting my time on people that are drawing energy from me, you have some people in life that are literally like a plus sign when it comes to your energy, and they they bring you godly spiritual influence. It's like a plus sign. You ever met a minus sign in your life? There are some people that are like a minus sign. There are some people that are like a multiplication sign. They bring <laughs> it's wonderful. They bring so much into your life. But then you've got those other people that are division signs in your life and they just totally drain you. You lose half your energy when you're around them spiritually. So make sure that you sever and cut off those toxic, harmful relationships in your life. Uh, you know, Proverbs 12, 26 says a righteous man is cautious in friendships. Are you cautious? Uh, you need to be very careful. What do cautious people do? They slow down, don't they? When when you're cautious, have you ever noticed that uh, when you're driving and there's like a wreck on the side of the road, you ever notice that you sometimes turn down your radio? Isn't that kind of strange? Why do I do that? I turn down my radio so I can see better. I don't get that. It's like a strange thing. It's like boom, boom. But I think that's what cautiousness does is like you block out everything that's going on so you can pay more attention. So in a friendship, when someone uses certain language, or not, not, not just specifically a word, but when they start expressing things in a certain way that goes against your belief system, what is that a time to do? It's a time to be cautious, to slow down, say, wait a minute, this reveals what they think. This reveals the way they deal with conflict. I got to be very cautious and careful here. And then finally, as I said, Second Corinthians 6:14, don't become partners with those who reject God. It's just a fact. Uh, so sever harmful relationships. You go, well, how do I do that? Uh, sometimes it's a conversation. Sometimes it's just backing off. Uh, yes, if it's super toxic, sometimes it's blocking, or just just you know unfriending, or just not not you know just not going back again. Sometimes you have to really uh, stand up for for who you are and for who God has called you to be, and you gotta make, you gotta make those uh, those serious decisions. I think that uh, every person has got to. Make that call for themselves on how to deal with it. But I know you got to step up and be strong in those areas. So am I severing harmful relationships? And then number three, am I initiating meaningful relationships? I think church is such a a, a valuable place. I I recently saw a study that was done. This is crazy. I was reading a book that was done. These people who wrote this book were really old because this book was a study of 80 years. Uh, I don't know if the guy was 89 who wrote it or what, but, I mean, this is a really long uh, period of study. And they studied different types of groups, and they found that religious people, in general, do not live longer. Not just religious people, but religious people who are connected to a local community live longer than any other group of people that they study. So people that attend a church, in general, don't have better, more meaningful lives, but people who would attend a church and have strong, close relationships with people where they share things in common actually live longer lives. So I think it's really important to initiate meaningful, important conversations, be making friends, be the kind of church all the time that when you see someone outside that you don't know, you introduce yourself here at City of Life, say, Hey, how are you? Where do you live? Where are you from? How'd you end up at church? Let's go grab some lunch together. let's hang out. let's get our families. I noticed you got kids. I got kids. Let's all go to the park and you know play some games or something or have a little cookout. Be, let's be the kind of people that are in, intentionally initiating meaningful relationships. I think it's a powerful thing to do. And then you say, well, how do I build relationships effectively? How do I? pour into those core relationships. How, and by the way, initiating meaningful relationships can be what I'm talking about here at church, or it can be initiating relationships for the purpose of evangelism. I'll give you two examples of some guys that I recently met. One, I was at Panera. No, 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 Einstein Bagels. I like that way better than Panera. I was at Einstein Bagels uh, on the other side of town doing an errand a couple weeks ago, and I, saw, I see this guy that is. there's like nobody in there. It's just this dude Big dude, like 6'4, like like G'd out, wearing this cool, cool clothes and stuff. He's over there waiting for his food. So I walk up, I go, hey man, I said, How are you doing today? Everything good? You feeling you feeling happy today? Feeling feeling good about your day? He goes, Who are you? <laughs> I I go, oh my I said, my name is just Jeff. He goes, nobody ever talks to me like that, man. He goes, like, he's like, that's like pretty cool. He goes, I'm I'm actually like trying to figure out my job situation right now. He said, I I, I want to help men, empower men to be successful. And I've got like a, a motivational idea that I've got. I, I said, well, I'd love to hear about it. So we start talking. He finds out I'm a pastor. I find out that, you know, he he he's a Buddhist but that has got some different kind of thought processes about the way he lives his life. But like he's like, man, can I get your number? He's like, I want to talk to you again. He's like, you're you're super cool. I said, yeah, here's my number. I gave him my number. I actually also sent him a, a link to my Audiobook, Jesus First, Jesus Always, and the Kindle page for the book, which he read. And he texted me yesterday. It was like two weeks ago. He's like, man, I, I checked out your stuff. He's like, I want to see you again. I can't wait to see you again. I'm trying to build a relationship with somebody for the purpose, even though he has a complete. Now, see, I talked about we got two different opposing worldviews, but I want to talk to him about that. I want to have... In encouraging dialogue with him about that, not to make him feel bad about what he believes, but to hopefully share and encourage and bring some hope and life and truth to where he is so we can build a future relationship. It's on purpose. Another guy I met at the gym, he's this really cool guy named Anthony. He's a trainer, Um, and I, I, I trained with him a couple times, and He's just—he's kind of rough around the edges, like new to the area, and but he's so—he is so nice. And every time I see him at the gym, he'll bring people up and introduce them to me. He'll be like, "Yo, man, this is Jeff." He's—he'll—he'll like—he'll cuss. He'll be like, "He's awesome," you know. he will he will he will say he's a pastor, and, and like you can tell he doesn't really know that much, uh, uh, you know, uh, about how to talk to a a, a pastor, you know, or, or whatever. <laughs> I don't really care that much. What I care about is he thinks I'm his friend, and I am. I am his friend, and I want to be his friend. And I, I want to truly build relationships that are not based on will you come to my church or will you do this for me, that for me. I want to be genuine with people and let the love of Jesus flow through me so that someday I can have b- meaningful relationships. And who knows, man? Maybe this guy, Sebastian, maybe I won't see him saved in my lifetime. Maybe maybe it'll be years later. Maybe it'll be toward the end of his life where he. You know, there's this list of things of all these moments that happen in his life. And, and when I was a kid, you know, somebody told me about Jesus. I wasn't ready. And then when I got older, I was in an Einstein. See, this is the way our life works. You don't understand the power of of taking time to spend on that person that works next to you that you don't like. You don't like them. You don't want to have the conversation. But if you take that moment, you never know the seed that God is going to plant through you that someday is going to turn into something that is powerful and meaningful in the future. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So take time to build meaningful relationships. I promise you it is worth it. And I'm going to give you some little bonus material at the end. I told you I was going to give you three things that I think can help build these relationships on purpose. And I love these three quick points. It's truth, honor, and love. And I'm going to break them down really quickly. I think tr- truth is so important because Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Uh, I, I think the Bible says, if you continue in my word, uh you are my disciples indeed. Then you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We get truth by following Jesus. And I think truth is pivotal pivotal to any successful relationship. And so I think in the we have to, in a relationship, figure out ways to uncover it. So I think there's a couple of different people. I would say three different kinds of people that I'll refer to right now. One are people who value truth so much... And they're comfortable with the truth that conflict brings. So what I mean is there are people that like to uncover things for the purpose of exposing the truth so you can grow closer. So there are some people in this room, you you don't mind conflict. You're comfortable in conflict as long as it brings the truth. And you're willing to talk about things that are flawed in you as long as it reveals the truth. I think some people are naturally like that. That'd be group one. I think group two would be people who hate conflict and they avoid difficult conversations at all costs. And I think sometimes this group tends to not want to tell the truth, because, not because they're just liars, but because they're so afraid of the confrontation in the conflict that they would rather change the story a little bit and make it a little bit more palatable or, or make the person feel like they don't have anything to worry about just so they can avoid the conflict. They're more afraid of the conflict. I don't think, so to the first group who loves confrontation, I just want the truth. And I just speak the truth. It's my truth to Pastor Jeff. I'm going to do me. Well, 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 listen, to you, those people that love truth so much, I will tell you this. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. Love is the component to truth that ends up leading to trust. Truth without love will never lead to trust. Truth without love will never lead to trust. So if you're on a quest for truth in your relationships and you're willing to confront things and point out inconsistencies and talk about the hard things that nobody wants to talk about and you don't mind the confrontation, and you're bulldozing your way to that truth all the time. Make sure you're doing it in love because that is the thing that will lead to trust. Then if you're in that second group and you find yourself struggling with being truthful, Colossians 3:9 it I don't I mean it's not even I don't even have to be a teacher to explain this. It says this, "Do not lie to each other." Pretty pretty basic, right? <laughs> Uh, I can't really read that a different way. It just says it just like this. Do not lie to each other. It's very basic. I mean, you could even look, look at the first three words, do not lie. Uh, it's, it's just so simple. So that's, that's the people that don't like confrontation and you're tempted to want to lie or misrepresent the way something happened to avoid confrontation. Just learn how in your relationships to keep trust as the goal and to say what happened in an honest way to know that it's going to be okay because you, you both have the same goal at the end. Um, the scary thing about lying is the more you do it, the better you get at it. The more you do it, the more your heart becomes jaded to it. And the other scary thing is the more you do it, the more you believe it. You ever met a pathological liar? And it's like when they're lying to you. By the way, pathological liars, everyone knows you're lying. Okay, so it's kind of wild. When, when, when they're lying to you, when they're lying to you, you go, oh, okay, okay, here's the lie, okay. Oh, yeah, really, okay. And then they just get, they start getting like emotions in it. They go, oh, they believe this. This is not simply a lie. They actually believe this. Uh, that's, the, that's the scary thing about life. So just don't even go down that road. Live in truth. And, and, and be honest with the people that are in your life. It's gonna make it so much easier for you and your relationships. And and, find, and so I think that those, those people that are comfortable with truth, that's kind of like a confront and connect attitude. People that are uncomfortable with conflict, that's like a kind of an avoid and deny mentality. And that third group, they're just crazy. I call them attack and defend. They're just attacking all the time and defensive every time. I don't even know how to categorize that. So uh, you got truth, Here's the second thing that's important in relationships, honor. Somebody say honor. Honor. See, respect, ooh, this is so good. I didn't even say this in the last service. Respect is passive. Respect is something that you just have for someone from a distance. I respect them. I respect a lot of people that I don't even know, I haven't even met. But I honor people, honor is active. Honor is something that you do. Bring honor into your relationships. Where does the word honor come from? Look it up. It means weight. It means worth. See, in the old days, it wasn't just a coin. They would have a coin that was about the right size, but they always weighed it. Why? Because coins weighed different things. They didn't press them the same way at at that time. So you had to put them on a scale to find out what the weight was. So honor means weight. It's how much value you estimate someone has in your life. What kind of worth are you giving people? How are you valuing your close relationships? I just encourage you today, bring honor into your relationships. Jesus said in Mark 6, 4, only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. That's one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible. It means Jesus was in his hometown and didn't do a lot of miracles there because no one valued him. You know why they didn't value him? They go, that's just Jesus. He went to Neptune Middle School. I was his sub twice. What, what could he have to say? That, what is that? That's, that's devaluing someone. I don't want to devalue my family. I want to give incredible value and honor to my family. The level you, of honor you give is always determined by the amount of value you perceive. In the heart of biblical honor Is always seeing the same value in people that God sees. So, if you want to make sure you have a life that's full of biblical honor, choose to see people with the same value that God sees in them. So, look at the person next to you and say, "I see tremendous value in you today." I got a really hard one for you here. Uh, This is tough, but think of the person that you treat the worst. You have that person? Don't point at them, okay? Just uh, don't. Think of the person you treat the worst. That is the limitation of, the, of your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Why? The Bible tells us, if you've done it to the least of them, you've done it unto me. So you only love God as much as the person you love the least. And i saw a lot of people look down on that one that was not that was not fun why am i saying that because i'm talking about honor we got to learn how to forgive let go honor is a decision Ooh, i love that it's a language i said it's a language we had to learn how to speak the language of honor i appreciate you i value you you're important to me it's great to see you, you so much joy into my life. We have so much fun. What am I doing? I'm speaking the language of honor. And when you speak, I love, you can tell a lot of times when some of my friends that I have that will come speak, and they're just honor people. They look over here, they say, Pastor Gary, they don't have to do it. No one tells them to do that. Pastor Gary, thank you and Janice so much in 1986. They'll do their research in 1986 for starting City of Life. You've affected so many people. What are they doing? They've learned how to speak the language of honor. And what are they getting in their life generally? A lot of the people that I know, they're getting a lot of honor back in their life because they've learned how to speak it themselves. That's what God will do with you. He'll bring honor back into your life. So truth, honor, I'm going to give you the last one, and I'm going to let you go get cheese biscuits at Red Lobster. The last one is love. Okay, and, and I have a little defi- working definition here for you on love. There's a lot of definitions of love. But I will say this, that love is definitely a choice. We choose to love. There are feelings of love that are very important, but love is absolutely a choice, and we need to make sure that in our lives, as we're making the choice to love, that we make room at some point for those feelings to follow. You know, these are choices. 1 Corinthians 3 says, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains and I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I'm nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. What am I noticing about every single one of those things that were just mentioned? All of those are choices. It is a choice to be kind. It's a choice to not be envious. It's a choice to not boast. It's a choice to not be proud. It's a choice not to dishonor others. It's a choice not to be self-seeking. All of these things are choices. Love is a choice and feelings should follow choices. You should make the right choices in your life to do what God has called you to do and the feelings will follow. So I encourage you today, ask yourself those questions. Am I nurturing important relationships? Am I severing harmful ones? And am I initiating meaningful ones? Do I have the right amount of truth in my life? Do I have the right amount of honor in my life? And do I have the right amount of love in my relationships? And if not, just make some decisions today and ask the Holy Spirit to just enable you to have empowered, godly relationships. And I believe that you're going to move to a completely different level in your relationships. This has been a wonderful weekend. Thank you for allowing me to speak into your life today. I treasure that opportunity. Uh, I never take it lightly and uh, I just pray That it would always be more than just a a talk or a a sermon. I pray that you write down scriptures that you see, that you go home and read them in your personal devotional time. Uh, Find out what the Lord has to say about them. Don't simply just trust what I say. Certainly don't trust just what you hear on a random podcast or something, but definitely investigate and become a mature Christian uh, by getting the word in your life and, and walking it out in your own personal relationship the Lord. Let me pray for you. Those of you that are online and are here in this room, if you do not know Jesus, I want to take a quick opportunity and and give you a chance to commit your life to the Lord and to know Jesus for yourself. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here today and you do not know Jesus, I'm going to count to three. And I don't do that to be gimmicky. I do it just because there's so many other things in our life that we make decisions on. And sometimes we put off the most important decisions. Believe there is a moment of truth in our life where we're presented with truth. We need to act upon that truth. Jesus said, If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. Now, how many times have we rejected Him? So, on a day here where I truly sense the love and the forgiveness and the kindness and the mercy and the grace and the, of Jesus, the restoration, the hope of Jesus in this room, I can just feel it right now. I can feel it online. he's ministering to people would you reach out for him today and say I put my faith in you Jesus I trust you for my salvation I ask you to forgive me for my sins, my faults and failures would you do that today the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead then you will be saved I believe that's going to happen in this room I believe that's going to happen online when I count to three because I believe that's that moment of truth today people are going to make a decision to serve the Lord, to turn away from their sins, to walk forward into the new life that God has called them into. And if that's you, on the number three, lift your hand completely above your head quickly. Online, when I count to three, type in that chat, I'm lifting my hand or I'm accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And your life will be changed. I believe that's going to happen right now. One, the Bible says now is the time of salvation Two, I believe every person here has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit for this very moment. Three, hands up all over the building. If that's you, hands up all over this building. Every single section, there's hands being lifted. Every single section, multiple. That's dozens of people in here. And I can't imagine how many people are lifting their hands online, responding to Jesus. Praise the Lord. Could we pray this prayer together out loud? Just repeat this with me. Say, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. I can't save myself. I need your forgiveness. Only you have the righteousness that is required by God for salvation. Thank you for giving me your righteousness because I have called on your name. Save me, Jesus. Be my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. Teach me how to navigate relationships, how to live a life full of truth, honor, and love that brings you glory in everything I do because of the cross and the resurrected Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes the teaching.